Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where I take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. Thanks for listening. Well, another week has gone by. We made it. It's Friday night as I'm recording this. What's happening in the world? Well, it's been a pretty boring week. I had to go a whole week, now almost two weeks, without an X-Files episode. It's weird how it only takes six weeks for a show that was pretty much forgotten for over a decade to become part of the popular culture landscape, and then just as soon as it does, it's gone again. That's life, folks. Well, what else can we find to fill the void? Um, I saw a Robin today. Not the Robin, as in Batman and Robin, but a Robin. Probably, I'm going to assume the first Robin of spring, because I'm special, I guess. Plus, he had a little name tag that said, Hi, I'm the first Robin of spring. I might be making that part up. But enough small talk. This is episode 7, lucky number 7, for you, dear listener, because this week's game is amazing. Are you ready for this? Pac-Man, baby! No, not Baby Pac-Man. That's a different game. I'm talking about the original. The 1981 Atari version of the Namco arcade game that more or less, at the time it came out, melted America's brains. People loved this game. It was everywhere. Pac-Man Fever was a hit song about the game. Released in 1981, it immediately became a top 10 Billboard hit. There were toys, there were books, t-shirts, at least 47 different cartoon shows, each one worse than the last but they tried. The game was huge, and as a kid, like every other human being in the world, including those who didn't have Atari consoles and those who didn't have electricity, had to have Pac-Man for their home video game systems. I ran out to the store and plunked my money down. Okay, probably not. I probably got it as a birthday present or something. I don't really remember. But I got the game, and I was super stoked to get this thing and plug it into my Atari. And I did... And I turned it on, and I immediately thought, what the heck is this? It kind of looked like maybe Pac-Man's cousin, possibly? All the elements were there, the ghosts and the little round guy who eats the pellets and the maze, but the colors were all different, the sound was all different. It was Pac-Man in name only. But it was pretty darn fun, so I played it. It's one of those games that's kind of nice, because if you get in the groove of chomping those pellets, you can kind of zone out and think about important stuff, which as a 10-year-old means things like, what game am I going to play next? I've heard that versions of Pac-Man for other game systems are better than the Atari version. I can't really say. I haven't really played any of the other ones. I think when I was a kid, I had one or two of the handheld Pac-Man games that were even less like the arcade version, but still, it was Pac-Man. But I haven't really played Pac-Man on, like, in television or anything like that. So if any of you have and you want to chime in, drop me a line. Alright, so for those of you who don't know what Pac-Man is, all two of you, let me fill you in. Here's what the official paper manual that came with my copy of the game as a kid says. The object of the game is to... oh, hold on. The title of this chapter, this particular manual is broken down into chapters, is called Life in Maze Land. The object of the game is to keep Pac-Man happy and healthy in his home of Mazeland, 
Pac-Man starts the game with four lives, parentheses, turns, close parentheses. The longer he survives, the more points you score. You score a point for every video wafer. Video killed the wafer star, or something. Anyway, you get you score a point for every video wafer that Pac-Man eats. You also score points when Pac-Man eats power pills, vitamins, and ghosts. Every time Pac-Man eats all of his video wafers on the maze, he earns an extra life and a new maze full of video wafers. Hey, congratulations, Pac-Man. Did a good job. Did what he asked you to do. Here, do it again. Wow. Is that a metaphor for the work world? The following information lists all of Pac-Man's nutritional needs, which also happens to be your point-scoring objects. Video wafers. These are the dotted lines on the screen. You maneuver Pac-Man around the playfield over the video wafers. He automatically eats the video wafers, and they disappear from the maze. You score one point for each video wafer he eats. To score a point, Pac-Man must pass directly over the video wafer. Really, do you have a choice? It's not like you can go around them. Pac-Man's this big, round, fat dude. Actually, he's probably average-sized for Pac-Man. There's no wiggle room through the maze. Anyway. Power pills are located in f the four corners of the playfield. Each power pill is worth five points. When Pac-Man eats a power pill, the ghost becomes a transparent blue color. During this time, Pac-Man has the super strength to overcome the ghosts. This is his big chance to chase and double down each ghost. Unfortunately, this great power only lasts a few seconds. When the power starts wearing off, the ghosts turn pink and then back to yellow. Musical notes stop several seconds before ghosts turn back. This is one of the huge disappointments with the Atari version of this game. In the arcade version, the background is black. I think the walls in the maze are blue, if I remember right. And the ghosts are all different colors. They're like red and blue and purple, I think, and maybe yellow? I don't know. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But in the game, you know, basically you get yellow and blue. That Those are your colors, basically. Vitamins. Vitamins are the two intersecting rectangles in the center of the playfield. They only appear for a few moments and then disappear and reappear. The vitamins are worth 100 points each time Pac-Man eats them. The ghosts are the quartet of bad guys chasing Pac-Man around the maze. If a ghost eats Pac-Man, you lose a turn, one life. On the other hand, if Pac-Man eats a ghost, you score points. Pac-Man can only eat ghosts after eating the power pill. Then he can run around the maze eating ghosts. The first ghost is worth 20 points, the second ghost is worth 40 points, the third is worth 80 points, and the fourth is worth 160 points. If the power pill wears off before Pac-Man eats all the ghosts, he must eat another power pill and start chasing the ghosts again, starting at 20 points again. After Pac-Man eats a ghost, you only see eyes left on the ghost, which is super creepy. But the ghosts are reincarnated by returning to the big square chamber in the center of the playfield. What is up with that? Some sort of demonic reanimation chamber? Maybe it's best not to ask. Uh, the rest of the manual breaks down the how the controllers are used. You're using the joystick in this one. There are different game settings. The game settings basically dictate, in some of them, Pac-Man moves slower. They break down as in jogging speed, running speed, that kind of thing. Some of them, the ghosts move slower. Some of them, they move faster. That kind of thing. So that's the game. Now that everybody's up to speed, I think that this is probably the most iconic video game I've looked at so far on the show. There are a few things you think of when you think of 80s Atari games, or arcade games for that matter. You think of Donkey Kong, Frogger, maybe uh, Defender, 
I suppose. But Pac-Man is sort of the, the the big guy at at the top of the video game mountain for that era. So it's kind of a thrill to be doing the game on the show this week. So, I think without further ado, let's not waste any more time. After the break, we're going to get into it. We're jumping into Mazeland. Wanna, 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 wanna. Alright, I'm in Mazeland. I've applied an extra layer of Donald Trump brand bronzer to my Pac-Man. He's all shiny and ready to go. And I'm hungry for some ghosts. Let's do it. I'm playing game three, which features supposedly a faster moving Pac-Man and ghosts that move at varying speeds. Pac-Man does seem to be pretty wound up. Shouldn't have had that extra cappuccino. Or should I say, Pacacino. Oh, I walked right into that ghost. He didn't have to do anything. Eating up these wafers, or pellets, as they should be called. There's the power pill. Come here, ghost. Chow. Oh. Well, what goes around comes around. The noise of Pac-Man eating the wafers is possibly the most annoying video game noise ever. Ah, you thought you were going to get me, didn't you? Come here. Yeah, you. Come here. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Yes. Oh, secret passage. Ha-ha. Chomp. One more. Yes, that's how you clear a level, friends. How hungry is this Pac-Man? Hopefully, wafers aren't high in cholesterol. Chomp. Man, on game three, the ghosts don't stay scared very long after eat those power pellets. Vitamin job. Oh. Well, you get the idea. Back to you in the studio. Okay. That was fun. Like I said, you know, graphics aside, and the annoying noise of the that Pac-Man makes when he chomps down on the wafers, which I still think should be called pellets. All that aside, it's a fun game to play. I liked it as a kid. It was kind of my go-to when I wanted to play a video game, but I didn't want to work that hard. I just kind of wanted to tune out whatever was going on at that moment, and it's a good game for that. Like I said earlier, if you kind of get in the groove, you can you can play, you can rack up the points, but you don't have, really have to work at it that hard. Pac-Man was an iconic event, cultural event, not just a video game event. Like I said, cartoon shows, toys, a, a whole bunch of spin-off video games, uh, some of which we may talk about in the future on this show, but it also has inspired over the years other creators. Just recently, I saw on the internet a movie called Pac-Man Come Out to Play, put together by some uh, filmmaking group called Fury Fingers from Australia. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can watch this movie. It's only about five and a half minutes long. 
The movie was written and directed by Andrew Shanks. It stars Anthony Rinna as Pac-Man and Eddie Morrison as Blinky. Andrew Whitehead as Clyde, Henry Nash as Pinky, and Thomas Berry as Inky. If I remember from what I read about the movie, Rinna, the star, is also a stunt coordinator or, or a fight choreographer. Uh, and it shows because the movie is basically Pac-Man, a dude in a yellow hoodie, running around some urban streets uh, in the middle of the night somewhere to the tune of Pac-Man's distinctive wana 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 no, uh, noise being chased by the ghosts, which is a street gang that evidently controls the neighborhood. There's lots of running, there's some cool fight sequences. I'm not really sure, as far as the plot, what exactly Pac-Man is doing in the neighborhood, or why the ghosts don't want him there. But it's a fun little film, so you should go check it out. And given that this is a podcast where we delve into the story within a game, I appreciate and applaud Fury Fingers for taking a shot at interpreting what that story is. At its core, this is a game where a little round dude eats pellets. But what's his motivation? Who are these ghosts? Why is the undead so concerned with this guy getting some pellets? Whose ghosts are they? What were they when they were alive? Why are they dead now? And like I said, why do they care so much if Pac-Man eats these wafers? That seems sort of selfish and greedy. Come on, ghosts. So, we could just leave it at that. We could say, well, it's just a little game where effectively an aspirin tablet eats other smaller aspirin tablets and then go on about our day. But that's not what we do on this show. On this show, we indulge our delusions and we fill time talking about weird ideas about games because internet. So here's what I think. I think this whole little game, this whole cultural revolution is an allegory about greed and gluttony. The pellets are money, or food, or drugs, or kids cover your ears. Sex, the pellets represent whatever it is we as human beings crave. The ghosts, on the other hand, pursuing Pac-Man who craves all these things could be his family, could be the cops, could be something more esoteric like uh, the emotional baggage that weighs all of us down take your pet or if we want to get put all of, all of this into a little framework if we're going to go dark and we're going to say that the pellets are the regrets and the anxieties and the fears that you have in life or an overindulgence in wine and chili dogs awesome combination how do we package this what what would be the result of this well i think it'd be something pretty dark i think maybe we need to look at this game and flip it on its head the way everybody plays pac-man is cute little yellow guy running from the ghost just trying to eat his pellets just trying to do his job but what if pac-man is not the hero of the game stay with me here what if pac-man at best is an anti-hero what if he is like Walter White from Breaking Bad. What if Pac-Man got a little taste of pellet power and it overtook him? He got hooked on the rush of consuming all these pellets. Walter White, in, in the show Breaking Bad, wasn't hooked on the meth, of course, but he was hooked on the power of being the best at making the stuff. He couldn't stop himself, and it destroyed him and his family. Spoilers. So, it may be in this game, 
Pac-Man, a.k.a. Walter White Man, is seduced by the power of being able to clear these levels, being able to outwit the ghosts and get these pellets. The pellets aren't drugs necessarily, or maybe they are, but their power. Make the best meth, become a drug king kingpin. Eat the most pellets, clear the board and win the game. In this scenario, Padman is Walter White, the bad guy, although paradoxically the guy we root for, and the ghosts are not evil at all. They're the good guys. They're the game's version of Hank and the other DEA agents who are trying to stop Walt. They're trying to stop bad guy Padman. The drug thing sort of fits with the bonus items that Padman gobbles up too. The manual literally calls them power pills and vitamins. Those are drugs. The bonus items could also represent the rewards of doing bad things that newbie drug dealers like Walt's sidekick Jesse might buy. The good car, or the new house, or the awesome stereo and video game system. My Atari is 30 years old. Pretty good chance I'm not a drug dealer. But a guy like Jesse blows his drug money on the fancy video games. Batman's kind of doing the same. Or, think of it this way, if you don't like the Breaking Bad analogy, maybe Batman is a little round yellow dude with a mouth and no eyes and no teeth, despite all that eating, because he's an anthropomorphic aspirin tablet. Also kind of dovetails with our drug theme tonight, but it could also be a an emblem of the Pac-Man fever that the song told us we were all suffering from back in the 80s. Have a fever? Take an aspirin. Need your pellets eaten? Call Pac-Man. So that's what I'm thinking. Or, you know, Pac-Man could just be a little circle because on a computer it's easy to do the graphics for a little circle and dots are easy to draw as well. Just say no to drugs, kids. Well, that's our show. My thanks as always to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the Creative Commons license to his songs, Pinball Spring, Reformat, and Take a Chance. You can find Atari Bytes on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please do leave a review on iTunes so that others can find the show. If you leave a review, it makes me really happy, but it also elevates the show in the rankings so that other people can find the show too. Remember, whenever you're looking for Atari Bytes, Bytes in the name of the show is spelled B-Y-T-E-S. Check out the website at ataribytes.lipson.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Like the show on Facebook. You can follow me personally on Twitter, too, at Carnival of Glee. Until next time, play some old games. They've missed you.